0: Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing movies in terms of two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we look at them to discover what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We look at good movies and bad movies, movies that we loved and movies that we hated. This podcast is provided totally free and with no outside advertising. So if you enjoy it, please share with your friends and write us a review on iTunes. It really makes a difference. For a full transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. This week, we're going to be talking about Nacho Vigilando's new film, Colossal. If you haven't seen Colossal yet, this is definitely a movie that you need to check out because whether you love genre-bending monster movies or not, Colossal is a film that shows you just how much you can get away with if you are willing to trust yourself. This is an example of a movie that simply should not work. So let me give you the premise really quickly. And for those of you who haven't seen it yet, it's important to understand that this is not some experimental art film. This is a mostly naturalistic, character-driven drama about alcoholism. Except instead of exploring alcoholism in a traditional dramatic format, it explores it by mashing up B-movie sci-fi elements with a mostly naturalistic script that seems like it's going in a romantic comedy with some dramatic element's direction. In the simplest terms, it's the story of Gloria, who is a raging alcoholic, total mess of a character who seems to have some strange connection to a Godzilla monster that keeps on attacking Seoul Korea when she gets drunk. As if that weren't hard enough, this movie seems to break pretty much every other rule as well. For example, the common wisdom is that you're supposed to have a likable main character in your movie, but this main character is far from likable. Her alcoholism is so out of control that we find ourselves actually sympathizing with her nasty ex-boyfriend. This is a character who uses people, who's irresponsible, who's out of control, who, at the beginning of the movie, gets kicked out of her boyfriend's house and is forced to return home to the abandoned house of her parents. Arriving there, she meets Oscar, played by Jason Sudeikis, A guy who has always been in love with her since they grew up as kids. Who keeps showering her with gifts. Who gives her a job at his bar. Who tries to do anything he can to be nice to her. Even if there is something that feels just a little bit stalkery about him. Just maybe a little bit too nice. Maybe just a little bit controlling. We feel like we're going to go in a romantic comedy direction, like the film is making a promise to us. And again, the common wisdom is that once you start to set the rules of a romantic comedy, that's where we're supposed to go. We're supposed to watch the story of two troubled souls coming together. We're supposed to watch the story of the guy who always loved the girl finally finding a way to connect, of two broken souls healing each other. We're supposed to have a happy ending, right? Instead, Gloria responds mostly by playing mind games with him, by taking advantage of what at least at the time seems like his generosity. She does this by attempting to seduce his best friend Joel, even knowing exactly how Oscar feels about her. And she does it again much later in the film when she shows up at his bar with her ex-boyfriend Tim, even knowing what that's likely to mean for Oscar. But of course, is not really such a nice guy either. He's not going to be the likable romantic comedy role that we expect him to play. Instead, he turns out to be the real villain of the piece, whereas Gloria turns out to be the real hero. And though we start off on a romantic comedy trajectory, we soon find ourselves going in a much darker direction. On the playground of their childhoods, a battle is playing out. A battle not for love, but for control. A battle between sobriety and alcoholism. A battle between two children and two adults. A battle between a giant robot controlled by Oscar and a giant monster controlled by Gloria. A battle between past and present, between childhood and adulthood, between the programs that were built in the past and the people that these main characters want to become. So I think it's safe to say that all these things are about as far as you can go from a traditional romantic comedy structure. In fact, this might be just about as weird of a premise as you can come up with for a movie, which is why it is so beautiful to see how well it actually works. So often as screenwriters, we think our idea isn't good enough or isn't commercial enough or no one will understand it. We think that we're not going to find the real story that we want to tell. We think that the crazy flights of our imagination are never going to make it onto the screen. Learning that you can push on almost any premise and make it work is one of the most valuable lessons that you can have as a screenwriter. Learning that your own instincts, even when they take you to totally crazy places, are actually the only thing you can depend on as a writer. This is one of the most valuable lessons you can learn in screenwriting. Now does this mean that all of a sudden every crazy idea you've ever had should make it into your movie? Absolutely not. If you're writing a traditional romantic comedy and a monster shows up, you have to ask yourself, is this really the film or is this a metaphor? But in this case, Colossal is actually a movie about monsters. It's a movie about the monsters that live inside of us. It's a movie about the monsters that we can become. It's a movie about the monsters who appear like monsters and the monsters that appear like friends. It's a movie about the monsters from our childhood that we internalize. It's a movie about the monster of addiction. And it's a movie about the monster that is rampaging in Gloria's soul and wreaking havoc on every life that she touches. Colossal's a movie about monsters. Our job as screenwriters is actually very simple. Our job as screenwriters is to look inside of ourselves and find the emotions, characters, the questions that live there. To look inside of ourselves, find the things that we're truly wrestling with, and somehow get them onto the screen. In other words, our job is to externalize the internal to take the things that live under the surface for us and put them up on the screen where everyone can see them. Sometimes that means our job is to look at our own monsters. And sometimes that means our job is to claw past the monsters that we believe ourselves to be to find the beauty that lives under the surface. Sometimes our job is to dramatize the parts of ourselves that we are ashamed of. And sometimes our job is to dramatize the parts of ourselves that we find most beautiful. In a similar way, our job as screenwriters is to dive into the psyches of our characters. To dive into the characters that exist within them. The reason that Colossal works, despite its crazy premise, is not because it's a perfect movie. It isn't. And there are certainly moments, especially towards the beginning and towards the end where you can feel a certain bumpiness of a writer still trying to figure out exactly what the structure means in the real world. The reason that Colossal works, the reason that all these disparate elements that feel like they shouldn't go together and still do, is because of the way that all of these characters grow from inside of Gloria. Carl Jung spoke about the idea of the collective unconscious. When Jung spoke about the collective unconscious, he was not a screenwriter. He was one of the fathers of modern psychology. And when he talked about the collective unconscious, what he was really talking about was the idea that there is a fabric that weaves us all together. A fabric that he believed we could tap into in our dreams. And... When we tapped into that collective unconscious, that fabric that unites all of us, we could tap into the metaphors that meant the same thing to every person, the metaphors that we all shared. So if you imagine every character in the world and every situation in the world and every metaphor and every emotion as a giant, giant, giant circle, you could imagine that your known world, the little bit of you that you know, is like the tiniest little dot in that circle. It's tinier than a pinprick. And the process of writing is about looking inside to find the parts of ourselves that we don't actually know. Looking inside to expand the amount of the collective unconscious that we can tap into as screenwriters. In other words, looking inside to find the outside. Similarly, when they begin their journeys, our characters are like a little dot in the giant circle of the universe. A little tiny dot that's only aware of a little tiny piece of who they can actually be. And our job as screenwriters is to take a journey with them. And that journey isn't always a logical journey. Sometimes it's a metaphorical journey or an emotional journey. But to take a journey with them, looking inside of them, and by looking inside of them, looking inside of ourselves. Tapping into the collective unconscious in them to unmask and reveal The pieces of them that they're not even aware of. When we begin Colossal, there's a part of Gloria that thinks that she is the monster. Just like there is the part of every alcoholic that thinks of themselves as the monster. And similarly, there's a part of Gloria that thinks of others as the monster. Who thinks of alcohol as the monster. Who thinks of Tim, her boyfriend, as the monster. Part of her that feels victimized and a part of her that truly hates herself. And of course, whether you've ever been an alcoholic or not, you can connect to that because we can all connect to that feeling. We can all connect to the feeling of feeling like we're a monster. We can all connect to the feeling of feeling like we're the one good person in the universe and that we're oppressed in some way. We can all connect to the feeling of wanting to do right and finding ourselves doing wrong. We can all connect to the feeling of hurting someone accidentally or sometimes of hurting someone on purpose. So by tapping into the collective unconscious of Gloria, Nacho Vigilando doesn't just tap into her collective unconscious, he also taps into ours. He taps into the parts of us that are under the surface, not the parts of us that we invite to the table, not the parts of us that we want to have dinner with, that we want to hang out with, that we want to present to the world, but the parts of ourselves that we are pushing down. For everything that you express in the universe, there's an equally strong part of you that you're repressing. If you go through the universe as a generous person, there's a selfish part of you that's being pressed down. If you go through the world as a selfish person, there's a generous part of you that's being pressed down. And similarly, this is true for our characters. If we look inside our characters, we can find the pieces of them that they are not aware of. And we can force those pieces of them out into the universe. And the way that we do that is by the characters and situations that they encounter. A way of thinking about this is that Every character in your movie grows from the collective unconscious of your main character. That every character in your movie is simply a very concentrated expression of some expressed or unexpressed part of your main character. So if we look at the cast of Colossal, the monster, of course, is obvious. The monster is the part of her that is both willfully and accidentally hurting people, the part of her that is dancing like a puppet on a string rather than controlling her own life, the part of her that is out of control and unaware. It's also the part of her that she sees as a monster. It's the way that she sees herself, her hatred for herself expressed in a physical form. And although a lot of people think that it's attacking Seoul Korea because of the lawsuits that came up between the people who created Godzilla and the production company of this film, I think there's another reason that she's attacking Seoul as well, which is, I think this is an expression of Gloria's soul, the way that self-hatred affects our soul. Similarly, we have the robot, and the robot is obviously an expression of a part of Oscar. But it's also an expression of a part of Gloria. The part of Gloria that is Oscar. The part of Gloria that has internalized Oscar. The part of Gloria that is connected to Oscar in the same way that she's connected to that playground from her childhood. And those memories from her childhood. The way those childhood memories are still playing out in her real world life. And I don't think it's an accident that it's a robot. Because I think it's a robot as an expression of the part of Oscar that is no longer under his own control. And also the part of Gloria that's no longer under her own control. That is acting out a program rather than making choices in her life. Oscar, the character that that robot represents, is also a part of Gloria. It's the part of her that feels like she hasn't achieved her dreams or feels like she's lost her dreams. The part of her that feels like a victim. The part of her that plays games with Tim, just as Oscar plays games with her. The part of her that allows her to see herself clearly by the end of the movie. The part of her that allows herself to see her own self hatred by recognizing for the first time the self hatred in him. The part of her that allows her to reconcile with her own history. Similarly, Joel is a piece of Gloria. He's a piece of Gloria in that he's a tool that she uses against Oscar. She's a game that she plays with Oscar's mind, knowing that Oscar cares for her. And she's also the part that she's internalized of feeling unprotected. Or better said, the part of her that's failed to protect others. The part of her that is an enabler of herself, just as Joel's an enabler of Oscar, willing to watch wrong things happen and... Never speak it. Never stop it. Just go along. Even Garth, in many ways, is an expression of Oscar. That's the Tim Blake Nelson character. The addict who believes that he's hiding his addiction, just as Gloria thinks that she might be hiding hers. The addict that lives in secret, pretending everything's alright when everything so clearly is not. And of course, the little girl in Korea is an expression of a part of Gloria. The part of her that's damaged by this terrible event from her childhood. And that's acting out that same trauma again and again and again. When you start to think in this way, you realize that your job as a writer is actually the same job as a psychologist. And this is why writing for so many people is so therapeutic. But to write in this way, you don't need psychological training. What you need is truthful training. You need the training that allows you to find the truth in yourself. And the challenge is that oftentimes that truth does not come out in an acceptable form, or it doesn't come out in a form that we believe is acceptable. You're writing a dramatic script, and suddenly there's a freaking Godzilla monster. You're writing a story about trying to deal with addiction, and suddenly there's a playground where magic happens. You're writing a story that you think is a work of fiction, and suddenly you realize it's a metaphor for something true in your life. And the hard thing as a writer is not saying no, it's saying yes to that inspiration. It's saying yes to the metaphor that doesn't fit. For some scripts like this one, that means taking that crazy metaphor and sticking it right into the movie and going, okay, well, if this is true, what else is true? If a giant Godzilla attacks Seoul Korea every time she goes into a playground and gets drunk, maybe also a giant robot appears every time that boy from her childhood gets drunk. Maybe in some way, the destruction that plays out in these two people's lives Ripples and echoes throughout that fabric that ties us all together. All the way to Seoul, Korea. If this is true, maybe she has to go to Seoul to ultimately confront that demon. If this is true, maybe this is really a movie about letting go. Or maybe this is really a movie that asks the question of, will we and can we? So for some movies, that meditative inspiration ends up finding its way directly into your script. In other movies, we need to transform it. Here at the studio, one of the ways that we teach voice is a process called meditative writing, which is a way of looking at writing, of thinking of writing, that takes you out of your conscious mind and into the realm of the subconscious, into the realm of the collective unconscious. It's an approach that says, instead of trusting them, trust you. Instead of trusting the rules, trust what you see, hear, and feel. In meditative writing, you actually do all of your writing in a meditative state, in a trance-like state where you're not fully consciously aware of what you're writing as you do. But it's important to understand that this is different than free writing. This is where free writing is like an outpouring of whatever happens to be coming up in your body. Meditative writing is a highly focused way of writing, a way of connecting to your real emotional needs, those expressed and unexpressed parts of you that need to find their way on the page and getting them onto the page with hyper-focus that you can only find when you completely let go of all the other intellectual rules. Writing is not just about meditative writing. Writing is not just about trust. Because ultimately, these are projects that need to communicate to a broad audience. And that means that these projects are a dance between the two parts of our mind. The conscious mind and the subconscious mind. These projects can't just live in the dream-like state of the collective unconscious. They have to be translated. But we need to go inside to find the material that our conscious mind can shape. There's a way to tell this story where there are no magical monsters. Where there's only Jason Sudeikis and Anne Hathaway, Gloria and Oscar. Where we're really just watching a young woman go back and deal with the trauma of her childhood so she can live a different life. And if you look at this script, you will see that that story is also fully dramatized. And for a more naturalistic writer, that might have been enough. So sometimes the monster appears and you say, who's the real world character who can be that monster? Who's the real world character who can be that robot? Who's the real world character who can be that unexpressed part of me, that unexpressed part of my character that I want to look at? A magical event happens and you say, okay, what's the real world event that could mirror that, that could feel like that, that could be like that? But in order to find that beautiful moment, you first have to learn to say yes to the inspiration. You first have to find the trust in yourself to write something as crazy as colossal. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Again, we make this podcast available totally free and with no outside advertising. So if it was helpful for you, please do share it with your friends, subscribe to us on iTunes, and write us a review. It really does make a big difference. You can also get a complete transcript of this podcast on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And if you'd like to study with me in New York City, online, on one of our international retreats, or one-on-one as part of our ProTrack Mentorship Program, you can learn more on our website. That's writeyourscreenplay.com.